Welcome to the Homemakers Club podcast. The Homemakers Club is a sisterhood of women who value the old-fashioned ways and traditions of making a house a home. As you listen in each week to conversation between myself and a fellow homemaker, it is my hope that you'll feel as though we are old friends and you are stopping by my home for a long-standing weekly tradition of sweet tea and sweet conversation. As good old friends do, we will celebrate the simplicities of ordinary days and come alongside one another to navigate the joys and hardships of homemaking. It is my prayer that when we say our goodbyes at the end of each episode, you leave with a heart that is enriched and filled with provision so that when you tie your apron strings each morning, you are joyfully ready to create a beautiful and fruitful life within your home. Grab a cup of tea and I'll meet you at the kitchen table. Hey everyone, welcome to the Homemakers Club podcast. It feels so good to be back and to be with my friend Liz. You can find her on Instagram at The Quick Journey. I am so excited for her to join me today. I've watched her over the years share everything from homemaking, home management, homeschool. Just, it's been so sweet and so fun to get to know her and also watch the evolution of her page and her heart shine forth with the world. And now she's sharing so many recipes and I just have absolutely enjoyed watching her flourish in her kitchen. It's been a delight and I've actually made a couple of your recipes, Liz, so it has been... <laughs> And fun to watch you grow within the Instagram platform, and it's an honor to have you join me today. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. I remember whenever you sent me a DM on Instagram, just letting me know what you were wanting to do and what your heart was for your Instagram channel. And I am just so glad that you listened to the Lord's leading and that you, you know, put your heart into it and stay true to who you are and your values because you've created such a beautiful community and it's been fun to watch and it's been nice to see that there are so many women out there who want to embrace the art of homemaking and the beauty that comes along with that and even the struggles that come along with that because nothing is all you know sunshine and roses but it's just really nice to be encouraged whenever you come I come to your feed so I thank you for doing that because it's been a blessing to me. Oh, thank you so much. That was so sweet of you. I was just actually chatting with my husband this morning about you and how you've helped me along the journey and supported me and encouraged me since really the beginning. So it just feels so full circle and sweet to have you here face to face on the computer and then chatting about motherhood and homemaking with you. I'm just honored. So Before we get started, I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself with our listeners and kind of tell us a little bit about where you're at in your season and journey of homemaking and motherhood. Yeah, I'd love to. Okay, I am a small town girl and I married my high school sweetheart, followed him to college. Growing up, I always wanted to be a mother. My mom was a homemaker and I don't know if it's because she was so good at what she did or just that the Lord had put that on my heart, but I just wanted to be exactly like her. She was so comforting and such a hard worker and poured herself out 
for her family. And while I didn't notice every single thing she was doing, I knew I appreciated it and I loved it. And I wanted to do that for my family. So I grew up and to be honest, it was kind of in a time where you were supposed to go to college and get a degree. And I remember having no idea really what I wanted to do. I had always wanted to do hair. And so I kind of thought about that, but I didn't end up going that route initially. Went to college, changed my major a few times. Mark and I got married when he graduated college. Um, and then it was a, a few years. And then I finally decided to go back and get my education degree. And so I did that and I taught for a year and a half and got pregnant with Ella, our oldest. And prior to me even getting engaged, I, my husband and I had talked and I told him, I'm like, this, this is what my heart, you know, was made to do. I was made to be a homemaker, made to be a mom and, and just do my work at home. And I need to know that you're okay with that. So anyway, he absolutely was. And once I got pregnant with Ella, I ended up staying home and doing all the homemaker things from that point forward. And aside from the stuff I do online, I've just never really looked back. So that's my background. And that is my main occupation is a homemaker. Now, how many children do you have? We have four kids. Our oldest is 15 and our youngest is eight. So we have three girls and a boy and we are very busy. You know, I started homeschooling Ella in preschool and we have had many years on our homeschooling journey and I'm still homeschooling. So I've just had my, my little crew around me all these years and it's been so sweet. And to see the fruit that, you know, the Lord has brought forth just in spending time with these kids it's just been so wonderful and such a gift back to me saying, you know, well done. You've, you've done a good job. Thank you for putting in the time. Because when you're in those little years, you don't always know what is coming up ahead. And you really do. You look in the rearview mirror and you're, it, everything is 2020. And it, you just have to get there to be able to see that God is faithful in your efforts. And it really spurs you on to continue. I love how you mentioned that when the children are little, it's easy to not know that you're doing the Lord's work. Like, you know, as a mom, you're doing something important, but it's hard to really put your finger on understanding your value and the big picture of motherhood and the big picture of building home when you feel like all you're doing in the little season is nursing like let's even go back to the very beginning of motherhood I remember no one ever told me that when you're nursing like that's all you do like right <laughs> that's all you do yes is nurse and change baby's diaper and so it's it's easy to not understand how incredibly valuable our role is when we're just starting out for the first time especially yeah I think it's one of those things as far as understanding what it's all going to look like and how it's all going to unfold. And I'm not sure this is the same for everyone, but for me, I went into motherhood thinking it was going to be like a Gerber baby commercial where they're just going to coo at me and smile and be happy. And it was just going to be so great. And, you know, all those years of playing, playing house and mommy when I was growing up and my babies were perfect. And <laughs> So I don't, I went into it 
not understanding I'm the youngest in my family, the youngest grandchild. Like I was the baby of the family and I did not know the labor that went into it and the amount of refinement that happens to a mother as she is putting all of her desires and her hopes and her dreams outside of the home aside and pouring herself into these people that she is she is literally handing them to the Lord and trusting that he is going to a vessel of beauty out of these children. And so I remember when I first had my oldest Ella and she was, she would cry a lot and I was so exhausted. I thought finals week at college was exhausting and it doesn't even, I mean, it doesn't even compare to the exhaustion of newbornhood, especially when you have a baby who, you know, has tummy troubles or colic or something. And I remember kind of being in despair because all the women I knew that were mothers are like, oh, I've never had a baby who's cried that much. And I was up all hours of the night and just almost delirious. And she was about eight weeks old and I was really struggling emotionally. And it was around 2 a.m. in the morning. I was rocking her. I was actually giving her a bottle because we were trying this special formula to see if it helped your stomach. And I remember just praying to the Lord, like, I don't know if I can do this. And I remember him just, just a, a feeling of peace came over me that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I need not think about my own desires. I, my desires now are for this child and for what he has for her. And it really was a moment where so much of my life had been spent selfishly thinking about myself. And in an almost an instant, a, a switch flipped to where my thoughts and my heart, my heart was focused on the people in my home and how I could serve them and really, you know, pour into them because I wasn't a super strong Christian whenever I got married. So even when I went into marriage, I was a pretty selfishly minded wife. And so motherhood has just completely opened that door where the Lord has refined me in my marriage. The Lord has refined me even in my friendships, like how I think of my friendships. Am I someone who wants people to pour into me or do I want to love my friends the way I'm supposed to love my friends? So it really was something that the Lord has used to impact and, you know, change every aspect and relationship that I have. That's beautiful. And I love that you can reflect back to that early, early moment in motherhood and you gave it to the Lord and that he blessed you instantaneously with something that was so magnificent, so simple, so magnificent that you've been able to carry through the seasons of your Mm -hmm. motherhood and homemaking journey. That's incredibly beautiful. What would you say right now to a young mom who is in that season that you were in, because I felt the same way. I was utterly exhausted. It's just so hard, especially like you were saying, when you have these expectations of it being beautiful and simple and easy, and you look beautiful all the time, and your home is kept. Like I think we all have this grand illusion and grand idea of how we want it to be, and then we're brought to reality, and, and our focus now needs to go from the, aesthetic and the feeling of everything being beautiful to 
wow, my work here is incredibly magnificent, but it looks different than picture perfect. I'm sure a Mm -hmm. lot of young moms are feeling the way that I did in the way that you did. What would you say to those coming into this motherhood and homemaking journey? Well, I think, you know, something that I learned is that those moments of rocking your baby in the middle of the night, the moments when you are cleaning up spit up or you're washing bottles or, you know, stripping a crib that has, you know, you've had a dirty diaper and now it's all over the crib, whatever it is, that is such a worthy work. And the Lord has intended for you to do that for your child. Like, He has given you this child and you are the one that will do it in the way that he intends for it to be done. And I think, I think you just have to be disciplined, give yourself grace, know that you're going to be exhausted and tired, but put forth the effort. The Lord wants us to be disciplined. It is a joy to be disciplined. And those little moments of discipline lead to bigger moments of discipline And that is something that, you know, I told myself and I still tell people on Instagram, I'm like, just spend five more minutes. I know you're tired. Just do the next thing for five minutes. And then, you know, you can relax or do whatever it is you need to do. But those first years of motherhood are just so fast paced. I, I felt like they were taking forever, but they were so full of all these little things, whether it be just snuggling your baby or feeding your baby or, you know, talking to your baby or playing with your toddler. They're so full of these little things that seem so insignificant, but they're not, they're not insignificant at all. It's, it's just that connection that you get to have. And it's those building blocks that will later on, you will see why those building blocks are important later on, whenever you are having conversations with your child or you've built that trust and you've built that relationship and it starts so early on. I love that you were talking about the foundational building blocks. I didn't know as a new mom, how I had so much power and control in the intention of building my family's legacy. I, I, that was something I never even thought of. Like it was, I just was living moment by moment changing a diaper, nursing a baby, playing on the floor. We were color sorting blocks, like all these things. And I understood maybe the education side of it. So I would help my son, you know, red blocks here, blue blocks here, whatever. So I understood the education Mm -hmm. side because of my background. But I didn't understand that I could build my family's legacy and think about the values and the, the, things that we find most important, how we could build that within our home. It's so beautiful and so cool to understand like our work is so much grander. We're building the foundational roots for human beings and for our family's legacy. So I love that you mentioned we're, we're really doing the Lord's work and building strong foundations for our families and for the generations to come. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think it's really important that even if you can't see it as a young mother, that you think, what can I do right now that will glorify the Lord? What can I do to be disciplined? That's what I'm going to do. Not because I can guarantee 
that I'm going to see all the fruit later, but because that's my only hope, (laughs) that's my Mm -hmm. only hope that this is going to turn out well is if I put forth the effort right now. And I know that these things matter. And it's a, again, one of those things where you look in the rear view mirror and until you can look in the rear view mirror, Mm -hmm. you don't really know that those things are going to produce beautiful fruit. Um, but you do listen to the mothers who have gone before you. And this is, again, something I say on Instagram a lot about all sorts of things having to do with homemaking. You know, what I'm about to say might not make sense to you right now, but put it in your back pocket because someday down the road, you're going to say, oh, I remember somebody saying this. That's happened to me. I can't even count the number of times. I have a sister-in-law who's about a season ahead of me and my best friend is a season ahead of me. And they will say things to me about mothering that I just am like, yeah, I can't really relate to that. That doesn't make sense. And then two years down the road, I'm like, oh my, so-and-so said that to me and it is totally true, but I wasn't there yet. And so I think those things are a kindness from the Lord that he is telling you what is down the road even whenever you have a a kiddo who cries a lot, I thought I was going to be exhausted for the rest of my life. Whenever I had that newborn, (laughs) I thought I will never sleep. And people told me you're going to sleep. Your 10 year old is not going to be up screaming in his or her bed all night long. It eventually you will sleep and and it does happen. (laughs) So I think you do need to tuck those things away to give you hope and to give you perspective and to help you to even plan for the future. Like, what is it going to look like down the road? So anyway, definitely, even if this doesn't make sense now, put those little things in your back pocket for later. Absolutely. Gleaning from the generations ahead of us is so, it's wise. It's a, a wise skill to hone in on and be, to be able to say and have an awareness of like, this may not apply now. But it may apply in the future, not just with motherhood, with marriage, with, I mean, there's so much that it may not be applicable today, but you know what, next year you could be going through a really hard season and it will become applicable and how beautiful Mm -hmm. it is to, to be okay with knowing that the women ahead of us can help us. And it's in the Bible, in Titus 2, that's what we're called to do as women is to glean from the women ahead of us, hold hands with the women alongside us and share our wisdom and our knowledge and our experience with the younger women so we can do this together because we are being called to do hard and holy things within our homes. And it's so beautiful to be able to do it with other women and then to have that knowing that they have been through it or they're going to go through it and share alongside one another. What did your homemaking journey look like when you had, let's say like six and under? So let's talk about homemaking with small children and then we'll move forward through the seasons. Okay. That sounds good. I loved the little years so much. They were very busy. So what I've seen is each season brings along its different, you know, growth opportunities and its different beauties, you know, holding that newborn and snuggling that sleeping newborn. There is nothing like it, but having a baby who's up in the middle of the night, a lot is really hard and exhausting. 
having toddlers who can do some things for themselves is really amazing, but they're also, they require a lot of, you know, being on top of them and, you know, just leading them well and teaching them and training them. And that's exhausting. So there are all these different things with each season. And when my kids were in those little years, we, one thing I learned, I tried to do a, a co-op. This is something I get asked a lot from people who want to know, how do you, you know, deal with socialization and stuff? Are you worried about that with homeschooling? And I never have been. And I tried it one time because I thought, well, I'm supposed to do this. So I had my kids in a co-op and we were just going all the time. And I realized that it just was not a good fit for me. So this is my little, you know, permission slip to every mother. You need different things than maybe the gal down the street. And your kiddos need different things than your best friend's kids. So one of my best friends is super social and being around people and going and doing things actually makes her like happier. Whereas with me, I love being home. And if I have too many things happening outside the home, I get fussy. I'm just like, I need to be in my place and have, you know, my, my schedule and know what I can expect. I don't want a bunch of curveballs. And so when my kids were little, that's what we did. We had a routine. We woke up. They were years of training my kids and and having expectations and teaching them how to meet those expectations, them how to be helpers in the home. There was lots of, you know, letting them help me with things and then cleaning up the messes afterwards because they don't do it perfectly the first time, the second time, even the 10th time. It takes a lot of training to get them to be proficient helpers in the home. And, you know, being there for nap times and lots of playing outside. So honestly, those little years were spent mainly at home. We would probably have a play date once a week. We always went to church. I remember we live in the Midwest, so we have some pretty hefty winters. And I remember there would be weeks in the winter where we would go to church on Sunday and I would not leave the home until the next Sunday whenever we went to church again, just because loading them all up and driving through inches of snow to have a play date was not on my list that winter. So, I mean, I think it's good because we all have the freedom to kind of pave that trail, however, we think is best for our families. But for me, training was more efficient and effective whenever I was at home. And I, we had some repetition in what we were doing. The kids, their attitudes were better. They weren't exhausted. They weren't overstimulated. And we still did get together with, with other people, obviously. But most of our days were spent at home. And they are some of the sweetest memories that I have of being a mother. I love that. I'm the same way as you when I have too many things going on at once, especially pulling us outside of the home. I just feel this turmoil inside and I can see it within my children and all of that. And so I love that you gave the permission to mother best to your own children in your home and let go of what other women are doing because they are a different personality and we all do our own things differently. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. beautiful that you gave that reminder and permission. I'm thing that you mentioned rhythm and routine and training your children so I'm a little different in the sense that I love being home but I struggle a little bit with 
routine and rhythm and keeping to that every day. There are certain things when I reflect throughout the seasons of like, wow, we have been really intentional about certain things. So my children, they get get up, they get ready, they make their beds. We have meals around the table there. So there are certain points throughout the day that are very rhythmic. What does your day look like or what are some key points that you started way back in the early seasons of motherhood that you're still doing in your routine today? Well, we have you know, a similar thing where we get up and we do school and do all of those things. And things have for sure changed as the years have gone on. My kids used to go to bed by 7 p.m. every single night. Obviously, that's not happening anymore. As our oldest is 15 and our youngest is eight, things change. But we do still have those benchmarks. We have breakfast, lunch, supper together. And then I still, I know this, I don't know if this is how other people do it, but I still have my kids have a quiet time in the afternoons, just in their own spaces, give us a break from one another and allow us to have a bit of imagination, independent imagination or read a book or whatever it is, you know, they might want to do, give them a moment to just be by themselves so that I can prepare supper or clean the home or whatever it might be. And, you know, everybody wants this formula as far as a rhythm and routine goes. I've always said I have a flexible routine where I I have certain things that I like to do, but I also know that things come up, which is part of the reason I really liked being home so much when my kids were younger, because there was so much I could not predict But if I was home, there were more things that were predictable and constant that it kind of made things feel a bit more balanced. And we all know that nothing is perfectly balanced, but we can we can strive to have that balance as best as we can. And what I've seen is I have had to flex for each season that we're in and we will have a season of peace where things seem to be going pretty, pretty easy. And then all of a sudden there will be you know, more training a week where more training is required. And I have to dive in and have more hard conversations, which means other things go by the wayside. So we have those seasons. And I think it's good to just take them as they come, not begrudge them, but to embrace them. But as far as the things that I still do, I'm still really big on having home cooked meals. I still go to bed with my house, you know, tidy and clean. Um, For the last, I don't know how many years, I'm thinking five years, five or six years, I wake up early before the rest of my family and I read my Bible and I pray and I just have some quiet time to myself. And I didn't do that until my youngest had been sleeping through the night for quite a while. Like I was rested by the time I started that habit. And not everybody wants to wake early, but it was a desire of my heart because I found that in the evenings I was tired, so I didn't get that time. And the evenings are reserved for me to spend with my husband. So getting that time to start my day, it also meant that when my kids came into the kitchen, I was happy and ready to see them. And I had already been woke up and it just was a better way for me to greet them in the morning rather than us all rolling out of bed together. Um, so that that is something for the last handful of years I've been doing is rising early, feeding my kids. I tidy my home for a few minutes after lunchtime. And then I fix supper, 
and get that prepped. And then we kind of go into the witching hours. And those hours are busy for me right now with older kids being in activities. And then we eat supper and we clean the kitchen up as a family. And then we go into our evening hours. So that's kind of what our rhythm looks like these days. When you mentioned that you were well rested, I love that you said that. So you said that you were able to start getting up early in the mornings to have your time for devotion or prayer or just even a sip of hot tea or coffee, which is so life-giving. I do the same thing. I get up early. But I didn't do that when my children were super little either because I was tired. There's a lot more going on when your children are really young, um, getting up throughout the night, whatever it may be. So I was exhausted, and I didn't do that, and that was okay. But you get to the season where you are rested. Your children are all sleeping through the night. They're following a rhythm, kind of like what you're saying, being helpful around the home. So now you're a renewed woman almost. And mm-hmm. so now you that season, your children are what you say like your youngest was nine so probably in the last five years four or five years old when you got to that so that's the school age of homemaking when your children are self-sufficient they're sleeping through the night while you're rested so what did your homemaking kind of look like as you got into the school years Well, I would say, you know, I went from when they were little, I would do certain homemaking chores as far as cleaning the house goes. I do certain homemaking chores every single day to try and stay on top of the house. You know, maybe it's bathrooms on Monday and then Tuesday, all the laundry. And then Wednesday, I would do bed dust and then Thursday vacuums, things like that. I would have tasks that I do and have them for certain days. And as my kids got older, first of all, I trained them to fold their own laundry because I I sat and I thought, what is what is something I literally cannot stay on top of? And laundry is the mountain I could not climb on my own. I'm just going to put it out there. It was never done. It was never all folded. It was never all put away. <laughs> And I just always felt like, oh, someone could just come and help me with this laundry. That'd be fantastic. So when my kids turned six, I start, I started teaching them to fold laundry. They would help me and I would have them fold like, you know, their, put their socks together, lay their, their undies on top of one another and try to fold their pajamas. And then I do the rest. And then we, we built on that. So Now my older two do all of their laundry all on their own. And my younger two, I wash it, take it to their room, and they fold and put away everything. So that has been a huge, huge thing for me. So with them taking on help, they clean their own rooms, they clean the bathroom that they use. With them being able to do that stuff, it has freed my daily stuff up to just maintenance. Just keep the house flowing, just, you know, sweep the floors every night, wipe the counters in the kitchen every night, make sure the bathroom is presentable. And then on Friday, I do a big house clean where I spend a couple hours in the morning and clean it. But that wasn't always the case. And that doesn't always work for everybody. And the only reason I can do that is because my kids are so helpful. So I get people asking me a lot, how do you do that all on your own? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, there's some that I do on my own, but I have a crew of kids who are extremely helpful. If my baseboards need to be cleaned, I hand them a wet 
Norwex rag and I say, hey guys, let's clean the baseboards. And I have four kids cleaning baseboards. It gets done really quickly. So anyway, I, I always advocate for mothers to encourage their kids to help them. And I had a way that I did that, that I shared in a cleaning course I put out a long time ago because it doesn't have to be drudgery. It doesn't have to be an argument. And I think it's really important for us to voice to our kids, what is it that I need help with and how can they help me? And your, you know, mommy could really use help with the baseboards. Could you please help me? I am really tired and I am fixing supper and let them care for you. Let them care about you and show you that they care because they will. It's not, hey, go clean the baseboards. It's invite them to care for you, for their mother. And they will do it. If you have done, if you have put those building blocks in place from day one, they will be thrilled to love you and just make you so happy. And and then thank them. Let them know I could not have done this without you. Give them value to what they're doing. Let them know that it's appreciated because we all want that. We all want to know that we have done a job really well. So those are just some things now. I can't even remember the question you asked me. I went on this whole it's tangent. Perfect. But those are just some things in order to be able to survive motherhood and to thrive and do it well. You have to train your kids to help you. If you see an exhausted mother who has older kids, my first question is, are your kids helping you? Have you taught them that you need help too and how to serve other people? And how even my older kids, I'm like, you need to look. Who needs help? If you see an older lady who at church who has dropped her bulletin, you be the first one to notice that and pick it up and hand it to her. Look for ways to serve other people. And you see them and then notice it. As a mother, notice when they serve you. Notice when, okay, silly thing. I like it when my pillows are karate chopped. I like them when they look really nice. And my kids will just walk through the living room and just like slap the pillows and karate chop them. And I'm like, you are so sweet. Thank you so much. The littlest things, let them know that you notice that they are serving other people and it just begins to blossom and grow. Beautiful. I love how you keep mentioning the word train. And in the Bible, in Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So I think that it's beautiful that you're talking about training our children from an early age how to take care and serve others, to serve their family members, to serve their home. And it is the foundational building blocks of doing so. So you started that and you found value in that at a very young age in motherhood and your children were at a very young age. And that's so beautiful. My children too are very helpful and they're very aware of other people. And I'm so proud we were talking about looking in the rearview mirror. So I can, we are both at the age and our children are of age where we can see that yeah. beautiful fruit of our labor in so many ways. My children are so kind and so aware of other people's needs and of service to them. It makes my mom heart explode because I know without a doubt, a huge part of that came from my efforts. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. It is it is life-giving. And so let's talk briefly about the women who are listening that are just starting to understand the value of their 
place within their homes because there are a lot of women who are new to homemaking and they're starting to be like, oh my gosh, did I miss the boat? I think maybe some women are going to hear a little bit of our conversation and think, shoot, like I, I didn't understand that and I didn't teach my children that at such a young age. So now I'm having to play catch up and I want to start now to build the foundation, building blocks of, of home and just raising good human beings so that way they can carry forth a new version of home into the legacy of our families and their future families. Is there encouragement you could give to someone who's just starting to be awakened in the homemaking journey? Yeah, I think we all start with where we are. Maybe some of us started, you know, when we first got married, maybe it it was when we had newborns. Maybe we have you know, ten year a ten year old, and we're trying to figure it out. I think the power of our kids visually seeing a mother at work. I just think there's nothing like it. I remember watching my mom on her hands and knees mopping the floor in the kitchen. It was all I went to school, so it was whenever I would be homesick, I'd see her cleaning the house, and I remember just that has stuck with me. And that was when I was in high school that I remember seeing that. And so just start with where you're at, do what the Lord, do what would honor the Lord right now. And he, fruit will come from that. And I think your kids will look back and value what it is that you have done. And we all start somewhere and no one starts late. You just start right now and keep moving forward. And it's all about being disciplined in the here and now. And how can we just, how can we push a little bit further to get us to where we want to be? I'm really big on visualizing, you know, people give all these resolutions at the beginning of the year and I have never done that. But what I do do is I visualize what do I want my life to look like over the course of this year? And I'm, I put that next to what God says in the Bible and whether what I'm wanting is in line with what the Lord wants. And if it is, I, I go full throttle for that. Maybe it's that like now I have two teenagers. They're is a different level of exhaustion that comes with ministering to the heart of teenagers and helping them learn how to navigate through all of these things that we as adults have gotten used to dealing with. This is new for them and, you know, leading them well through that. And, you know, I'm doing that while I'm also still training my younger kids. And so I think just doing the next thing that you need to do and just making sure that you are pushing forward and that your vision is something that would be God honoring and just stay on that path. It will not be perfect. It will not be perfect, but it will be better than where you would end up if you didn't start now. Like there's no, there's no going back, but you do get to go forward. And what do you want that to look like? And what What things can you put in place so that you get to where it is you want to be? If you are someone who your home has always been a mess, well, you don't necessarily have to have a perfect home, but what can you put in place so that your home can be a more peaceful, calm place for your family to reside in? Maybe it it is that you're going to keep your kitchen and your living room clean this year. Well, that is a good and worthy thing to do. You don't have to tackle the whole house. Or maybe you want to cook more meals at home. It doesn't have to be that you're fixing breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. Just start somewhere. 
because we all have to build on these little habits and they accumulate. And before you know it, these these things that you're working on in the home, these things you're training your kids on, you will graduate from those and you will move on to other things and other things and other things. And then you get to look at the work and it's it's just amazing to see what can be done when you just focus on these little disciplines all the time and how much you grow and how much your kids grow and develop over those years. Beautiful. A friend of mine always asks me when we talk about the ministry of the Homemakers Club and the things that I'm wanting to do in the future and and some fear sets me back like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm capable or why the Lord would call me into the things that are coming for the Homemakers Club. And he always tells me this and I can relate it so much to home and homemaking as well. He says, if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? And I'm like, you're right, because you can always, if you have something in your heart, so it may be if we're going to apply it to homemaking, if it might maybe like, wow, I have really slacked on taking care of my home or wow, we haven't been making home cooked meals, but I want to learn. Start now. Just start now. It's so That's simple right. and so beautiful. And if, if not, when I keep messing that up, if not now, then when, <laughs> when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? And you, and if not, who, see, I can't think if, if not you, then who you're called to take care of your home. And what a beautiful honor to be given people that are entrusted in your care. Like it's, it's just such a beautiful opportunity. How do you remain hopeful knowing that what you chose to do is your life's work is worth it? You know, I will say what I said about homeschooling as well, because I I get when we first started homeschooling, we didn't know anybody who homeschooled. And so it was kind of stepping out on a limb alone. And it was scary. And there was a lot of room for doubt and, you know, wondering if we were going to mess our kids up and they were going to be odd and not able to function in society. And You know, something I kept going back to, and I have said this so many times, because there have even been other parents who have made decisions, other Christian parents, and I'm like, huh, that's not something I would do, but this is what I always say. No one prays over their family and over their kids and over their marriage the way that you do. And the Lord does not give discernment about your home to some other person outside of your home. He gives discernment and guidance to your husband who is praying over his family, to you as the mother who is praying over this family, and to the children who are under you. He gives the heads of this house discernment. And I I just have never, I guess, honestly, I think because I've always wanted to do this, I have never questioned whether it was the right thing. But the things I did question, oh, is this right or is this not right? I had full confidence that if what the decision we were making was not what God wanted us to do, we loved him so much and wanted to seek his will for our lives that he would put us on the right path and maybe not worry about it. So if I'm not on the right path now, I am in prayer about that and I am seeking the Lord and his word and he will draw me back. He will put me on the right path and my confidence does not even lie in what it is that I do or where it is that I am. It lies in the confidence that if I am seeking the Lord, I I do not have to worry. My confidence lies in him because he is faithful and the scripture tells me he is faithful and I am trusting in that. 
I have chills listening to that, and you claimed that I'm over your home. And I think just now, even you preaching that was incredibly impactful. Oh, I pray that so many women have the confidence to take up that authority and claim their home so that way they can start moving forward from whatever fear they may have, whatever they're convincing themselves that maybe they're not doing it right. Maybe it's a lack of contentment. Maybe it's an aspect of comparison, whatever it may be. You, girl, just, I think, freed some pretty big shackles in what you just said, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was working through you just now. So I am so proud of you for just doing what you just did because that is powerful. And I pray every woman listening right now will decide to have that authority of their home. So we're going to wrap this up real quick. I know you've got to make dinner, but what I'd love for you to do, Liz, is give maybe one thing that you would like women to think about in the coming week, especially after they hear this conversation, what is something that you hope that they'll take away from everything we've chatted about through the seasons of motherhood and homemaking and then claiming their home so powerfully and with such authority that you just did and that you just spoke? What can they think about and focus on coming forward? I will end it with a Charles Spurgeon quote because he's one of my favorites. If anybody needs a book. I I tend to just stick with the Bible, but if you're wanting a daily devotional, I I recommend all the time in my Instagram stories, Charles Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. It is phenomenal. I read it every year and I love it so much. So his quote is, you say, if I had a little more, I should be very satisfied. You make a mistake. If you are not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were doubled. And I think the danger in being a homemaker is to feel like we are less than, like we are not contributing in a way that is meaningful and a fear that when we fill out forms and our occupation has to be written down and we put homemaker, that it is an unworthy thing to jot down. But I want to encourage every homemaker to be content and what she's doing to seek joy in cleaning her home and fixing her meals and know that your family appreciates that you are cleaning the toilets and your family appreciates that they have fresh towels to dry themselves off with and sheets. You know, I was making my son's bed the other day and they make their beds every single day, but I was putting on fresh sheets and I went to tuck him in and he's 13 and he said, I love it when you make the bed, the sheets are so tight and I just love it. <laughs> and it's all these little things that nobody outside your, your walls cares that you are laundering the sheets, but the people in your home care. And if they don't say anything about it, they know it because they know whenever something is not done by you, they can tell a difference. He can tell that when he makes the bed, it does not feel as good as when mama makes the bed. And so I just, I want homemakers to know that they are doing a worthy work and that if they don't get accolades here, that they are coming to you because the Lord values what you are doing. Perfect. That was a perfect wrap up. It's beautiful. And I will be praying over all the women that they are um, 
that they feel worthy. And I love how you call it a worthy work. That was beautiful. And I'll actually, I'll share that book in the show notes as well, because I would love to get it. I haven't heard of it. I haven't seen it. And so I'm excited to do that. And I hope that other women join you in loving that as well. So thank you for that. And Liz, thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. It was so fun and so beautiful. Thank y'all for being here and for the work you are doing within your homes and sharing home with the world. I believe with my whole heart that every day, the more we share home and the art of homemaking, we are upholding the way in which home was intended to be, productive, fruitful, and beautiful. Though your days may seem ordinary, little by little, you are building something quite extraordinary. Keep up the good work, my friends. If you haven't already, I encourage you to join our sisterhood on Instagram at We Are The Homemakers for daily encouragement and fellowship. And of course, subscribe here as well. We are the homemakers gathered for good. See y'all next week.